quiet quitting is all the rage, except for the part where it's been around for decades. Plus, a listener asks for help with a manager who is terrorizing her team. That's happening now on Boss Better Now. You're listening to Boss Better Now. This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Now here's your host, speaker and author, Joe Mall. Hello again, Boss Heroes. Welcome back to the show that aspires to be food for the boss's soul. Every time we put one of these there episodes out into the world, we're doing our best to share with you advice, humor, and encouragement for the boss's soul. Whether you're listening to us on your commute, during your lunch break, while doing your exercise, on your A-L-E-X-A at home, I will try not to say her name and activate all of your devices. Wherever you're listening, we are glad that you are here. And if you are coming back to the show after our little summer break, you may have missed our big announcement that the show now has a new co-host. We met her last episode. Please welcome back to the show, executive coach and HR advisor, Suzanne Malowski. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hello, Joe. I'm fantastic. And I couldn't help but notice you have a pirate shirt on today. I do. And I, I have to tell you, we just came back or came off a fabulous weekend. It was a family reunion here in the Malowski mm. household. It was a small family reunion. It was about 30 people. And the last name is actually Small. Ah, Isn't that a funny? Small huh? family a small family reunion. Yeah, get it? Huh? Yes. Anyway, okay. part of our festivities were, go to a pi- were to go to a pirate game yesterday. Yes, yes. And as Pittsburgh weather often dictates, <laughs> it got postponed. Yes, right? I saw that. So, so a bunch of us trooped to the city anyway, and it was wonderful because it wasn't crowded, and we got to go up the incline. We got to go to one of the sports bars that has um, skeet ball and what is it called? Peg bowling or whatever. So it was a lovely time to explore the city without all the crowds. So we made the most of it. And so Um, though being disappointed at the rain out. No, see, it didn't work. I was going to make a joke there about the disappointment wasn't small, but I I fumbled it. Like there was a real dad joke. Oh, I'm sure we could. Yeah. Swing and a um, miss. Swing and a miss. We took a small rain cloud and made it a rainbow. I don't oh, know. man. This just oh, went off the really rails. Bad. Bad. Okay, let's stop. Yeah. Okay, we're done with that part. <laughs> you got the idea. <laughs> well, hey, w- way to turn a, a rainy day into a good outing. Good for you. There we go. All right. We're going to turn our um, rainy joke into what I hope is a better outing at this point um, and talk about something that's really been buzzing in a lot of media these last few weeks. If If you have opened your phone to any news source, any social media platform in the last month, I would be shocked. I say shocked if you had not encountered the phrase quiet quitting. So so here's what this is. This actually started as a turn of phrase used a couple of weeks ago um, by a content creator on TikTok talking about um, making the decision to no longer give it all I've got at work. Uh, and since this video came out, the, the terminology has exploded and it's actually come to mean several different things. And so uh, in some corners of the conversation, the idea of quiet quitting is that people have given up. 
they've said, I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to do the minimum. I am no longer bringing my effort and energy to my job because I am sick and tired of how I've been treated at work. In some other corners, quiet quitting has also come to encompass more toxic behavior, right? Where we have employees who are sabotaging the performance of an organization in one way or another. Maybe they're, um, you know, they're they're leaving virtual meetings early and and you know, or muting them and then doing other things in the background because they're like, I don't care anymore and I don't need this crap. Um, and yet, in other corners of the conversation, there are some who are referring to quiet quitting as a kind of healthy boundary setting where people are saying, I am no longer going to allow my job to encroach on every aspect of my lives, between of my life, between eight and five or nine and four or whatever the hours are. I, I'm going to give it all I've got. But outside of that, I need to set stronger parameters for how my job interacts with the rest of my life. And so there's a lot of conversation that has been taking a place around this idea of quiet quitting. What is it? What causes it? Is it new? Should we be concerned? What do we fix? Suzanne, where do we start? <laughs> well, I couldn't help but start where I think some of our authors who are speaking about this also started with looking at the old employee engagement survey. So forever and a day when you know Gallup started measuring whether people were engaged, we saw those highly engaged and the highly engaged people were described as those who would give their discretionary income, income, not their, Lord, I hope they're not giving their income, their discretionary energy into yes. their job, right? So I'm going to spend a little extra time. I'm yep. going to prepare a little harder. I might stay a little longer. I might... Uh, put my thoughts into things outside of just my role, but think about how I connect to others. So that's great. So if that to me feels like feels like the people who are dialing down, they're mm -hmm. quietly quitting, like are most actively engaged to me, it felt like they're just dialing that down a little bit, finding their boundaries. And then we have the middle of the road people who you really always want to get up to an engaged level, but they're the ones just, I just do my job. I do exactly what's asked of me, nothing more, nothing left, less. And our organizations almost have to be somewhat okay with those mm -hmm. steady eddies, right? And then you have the actively disengaged, the ones that you were saying are poisoning the well, mm -hmm. who are, you know, the ones that you can see or hear or observe, uh, you're kind of bringing everyone else down. So it's amazing what TikTok can do to spark, <laughs> right? Conversation around- Changing the world, one TikTok change, at a time. Right, giving us new definitions for things that have been around yes. for a long time. Yes. Right? And that's really the big part of this that that I think is kind of interesting is, in a way, if it creates renewed attention around something that has long been a problem, that's a good thing, right? Um, but yeah, we, we've had a, t a social science research for decades that tell us that mm -hmm. people who aren't all in are emotionally and psychologically less committed. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and Gallup has framed it as not engaged and actively disengaged for years. This, this idea of quiet quitting in, in that way has been around for years. But if we can create a renewed focus around what causes it and how do you fix it, that's a really good thing. Mm -hmm. To capitalize on it, I don't know if you saw this, Suzanne, but... Uh, just the other day, I got an email in my inbox because I subscribe to Gallup's uh, newsletter. 
Okay. I got an email in my inbox that said 50% of the workforce has been quiet quitting for decades, mm-hmm. right? I, yeah, I might be flash. butchering the headline a little bit. Yeah, like new <laughs> yeah. break, not so breaking news. Yeah, this problem's been around for a long time. So let's frame it around that language that we're kind of comfortable with, which is that we have engaged employees, right? They show up with at the highest levels of commitment. They're emotionally and psychologically engaged in their work. They care and they try and they give it all they've got. And then there's everybody else. And so everybody else kind of falls into this quiet quitting definition, depending on how you're using it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it worse than it has been before? Uh, or have we just slapped a new label on an old problem? Well, I think that's another fabulous question because I happened to observe some behavior that was new to me. I am mm. uh, training management skills and having some peer-to-peer coaching conversations with some folks in manufacturing environment. And we're talking about when you come to work in the morning and you're assigning the duties. So, mm-hmm. hey, Joe, I need you to go move that pallet or our friend Sally, I need you to move some boxes over here. And in one class in the morning, guy raises his hand and he says, Suzanne, you know, I asked Joe very politely to move the pallet. And he said, you know what? I'm just not feeling it today. Mm. Like, well, there's something new. And Joe, it happened. That same line was being used in every class I taught. It was crazy. I had never heard it before. I'm just not feeling it. I mean, I've heard it from my teenage children. Right. Right. As an unacceptable response (laughs) or something that warranted further dialogue. But here we are. So maybe it's changing in the way that employees are choosing to communicate or express themselves. Because at least if you say, I'm not feeling it, I know where you stand. It isn't, I'm going to ignore you and go off and not do anything. So we spent, you know, 10 minutes in every class really brainstorming on Mm -hmm. what are some good responses to that type of line, which I'm sure many, many of us face with that type of behavior or that you know, that almost rejection of, of the work that you're asking them to do. So that was okay. for me. So I have to ask then, because I have all sorts of thoughts. I have to ask, what what were some of the responses you came up with? What, what do you say? I mean, <laughs> well, I have thoughts, we, but what, do you, what did you guys come up with? After we got the therapeutical funny ones out of the way, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, the, the, some humor was, we, we talked through, well, you know, gee, employee, I'm not sure that's an appropriate response. Let, mm-hmm. you know, is there something else going on? Or we'd say uh, something like, well, that's really part of what the team has to get done today. So mm-hmm. I'm counting on you to step up, yeah. you know, it, it. so we found some very ways to help see where the employee might be coming from with that yeah. statement and how we can help them get to where they need to be. Yeah. One guy said, you know, uh, well, that I was just politely asking. I really, it wasn't a question. Yeah. Yeah. Just move the pallets. (laughs) Yeah. I I always, and we talk about this a lot on the show and I come back to it is, is this an incident or a pattern? And so if it's an incident, um, you know, first of all, if this is in a meeting with a bunch of other people, like you described, um, I'm probably wanting the conversation that follows to be Mm one-on-one. You know, I may say something like, okay, that was a little bit of an unexpected response. Why don't you and I have a conversation over here? And, you know, then we we do that. And if it's the first time something like this has happened, I'm probably saying something like, hey, are you OK? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you usually are like, yeah, I got it. No problem. Like, you're Mr. Mm-hmm. Reliable around here. But that like, the, you know, 
what's the story behind this? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I'm trying to have that empathetic conversation. Mm-hmm. And if I can drill down at what's going on, like maybe the person just saw next week's schedule or they're they're really frustrated with something happening in the organization, then we work on that conversation and we, tr- and we try to figure out how maybe I can help be an advocate for them. Absolutely. And if that's how this plays out, then I might say something to the effect of, all right, well, you know, I'm going to work on this for you. But in the meantime, I really do need you to go move the pallets. You know, and they're probably <laughs> if you've built trust and there's mutual respect, that's probably all it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. However, if it's a pattern and this person continues to act out in this way and they're they're being resistant, then you may have to, to take a more assertive approach. Now, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that the person has done all the things that we just talked about, but eventually you may have to come back to that person and say, listen, this is the third or fourth time that mm-hmm. we've directed you to do some of the basic functions of your job and your response has been, I'm not feeling it. And I'm here to tell you that you better start. Yeah, right? we need better to review the expectations. Yeah. yeah. You know, because if these are the things, because, you know, if if you don't do these basic things in the job, you don't get to keep coming to the job. Right. And I know that you know that. So how do we how do we stop this pattern from happening? Right. We may Mm -hmm. need to have the conversation about, well, here's what happens next, because at some point. And I'm sorry, I'm bouncing around here a little bit. At some point, that person's now they're just being cute. Right. They're putting on a show for the other people in the room. When they say, oh, I'm not feeling it. And they're testing, they're, they're boundary testing. And so there does come a point where we need to have some teeth in our response. Mm-hmm. You have to show them where the boundary is. Yep. The fact, though, that other employees were saying it, it felt like a PR campaign. Okay, mm-hmm. morning news. Here's the line, the word I want everyone yes. to drop in their story. It's like, who, like, where did they pick this up? Was there a memo, a secret? Nope, they went around. Okay, everybody say, I'm not feeling it. That was what so that was happening all at the same company. Yeah, the, yes. Wow, that yeah, is. Yeah, it was different employees saying it. To, to, and yeah, that so, originated somewhere. Yeah, like, something got passed t- around. TikTok, but it was yeah. TikTok. <laughs> Almost certainly was TikTok, right? <laughs> it's like TikTok. TikTok has good and evil in the world, right? Right. Let's <laughs> let's use TikTok for good, people. Hey, if you're a quiet quitter and want to know how to get out of work today, just say I'm not feeling it. And then do it again and get a talking to, and it's all <laughs> right. going to spiral See, out of control. Yes. Yes. Well, let 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 me ask you this piece of quiet quitting because there's that other yes. angle about the boundary setting, right? About yes. how in some corners this is being talked about as a way to create or promote better, for lack of a better term, work-life balance. Right? We throw the, that language around a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Create better work-life boundaries. Um, is that an appropriate, is quiet quitting an appropriate label for creating healthier boundaries between our work life and our professional life? I, I don't feel it is. It yeah. irritated me that the yeah. whole notion of it bothered me. In fact, if you turn it on its ear a little bit, it's truly an opportunity for leaders to emerge as strong leaders yeah. or individual contributors who have ideas of how to make things better, a way to start a dialogue uh, that's constructive because quiet quitting feels like it's disingenuous or it's I'm going to fool you or I'm lying. I, I don't like that. Yeah. It's that, that the quiet part of it seems to be like, you know, out of view in the shadows. Yeah. yeah. So wouldn't this be a great way to talk about how to make things better as a team or yeah. to look for more efficiency so that 
uh, our meetings aren't eating up our entire calendar. So it, it could be things we're only going to set 45 minute meetings instead mm-hmm. of our meetings, which, and they have to have agendas, which forces expediency and quick decision making, or we're not going to ask for heavy lifting on Friday afternoons in these meetings, right? We'll save those for Mondays, just different things. So I think it's a, truly an opportunity because people are absolutely feeling this way. They're burnt out. They're tired, they're stressed, they're feeling the pressure of home, taking care of things at home. So how do you be part of the narrative that makes it better? Not yeah. just, I quit, I'm not feeling it. And that's that's actually, I think, one of the most important points to make, which is if we want to frame it around healthy boundary setting, we should not only be encouraging that among the people who report to us, we should be getting there first. We should be helping them mm-hmm. do it. What, one of the things that we've been talking about on this show for months already is all of the different conditions that employees are now pointing to as most critical for a more humane employee experience, the kind of employee experience that leads people to join and stay and care and try. And having a job that doesn't infiltrate all the corners of our lives is part of that. And so mm-hmm. the best leaders are the ones who, that are sitting down and saying, hey, we don't expect you to be on email after hours and we don't expect mm-hmm. you to be here past a certain time. And we want to monitor your workload so that it doesn't become so cumbersome that you can't have those kinds of boundaries. And and so we should be getting there first. But that's also why the label bugged me calling that kind of boundary setting quiet quitting because it's neither quiet nor quitting right it's it's you know quitting it's is where the real work up. is yeah and, and quitting is about giving up a person who's yeah. setting healthy boundaries isn't giving up they're saying i'm still committed i just mm-hmm. am not going to work for you 24 hours a day you know mm-hmm. that's completely healthy it's realistic and it's not quiet either you know mm-hmm. uh, so i think when we conflate the two you know mm-hmm. we end up there's this kind of snowflake mentality that gets thrown at people who want to set those boundaries and that does a disservice to it too, you know? And so this is just another sure. sort of pejorative label for a behavior that that some people roll their eyes at, healthy boundary setting, when the reality is it is healthy and it is necessary for creating the kind of workplace that people want to be a part of. And you're not saying that people shouldn't have to work hard, right, Joe? Right, right. It's not, we're not, not saying life should be a a breeze every day. There's hard decisions to make, lots of things to push through to make to make whatever we're making or to produce whatever we're producing or to serve provide the service we're serving. It's still hard work. It's just that this forces the dialogue to get smarter at doing it, right? Yes. And making it right, making it better. If you create the right environment at work, people are willing to work hard. They just mm-hmm. don't want it to be really hard all the time. Mm-hmm. And when it becomes really hard all the time, you know what you get? You get quiet quitting. You get people who say, go. I'm not going to, I'm not going to exist. I'm not going to redline my engine at, at 11,000 RPMs all the time to mix our metaphors. But yes, um, you know, quiet quitting is a signal that it's probably been too hard for too long. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Well, what do you think, Boss Heroes? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Are you talking about quiet quitting where you work? In which way are you defining it? Is it a problem that requires a solution? You can email the show at bossbetternow at gmail.com. This feels like one of those topics we're going to come back to. It feels like it had such a reaction in kind of the collective media and business literature and social Mm -hmm. media uh, that it doesn't feel like it's going to go away quickly. So we may come back to it. That's why I'd love to hear what you think. So you can email the show at bossbetternow at gmail.com. 
And that brings us to the camaraderie question of the week. Bosses build camaraderie on teams by making it easier for people to find things in common with each other. That's why here on our show every week, we give you a question that you can use at meetings, at huddles, in one-on-one conversations, maybe even on TikTok to facilitate connection and to build camaraderie. I love this week's question. Shout out to our producer, Jamie DeRosa, for finding this question and saying, I think I have a great question for the camaraderie question of the week. She gave it to me. I said, oh my goodness, I love it. Here it is. If you you were an action figure, what accessories would you be sold with? I love this question. And now I'm, we're all picturing our own little action figure, right? I'm picturing my little Suzanne action figure, right? With the great <laughs> hair and the glasses. Like, I love it. And what accessories am I getting if I go to Target and I go to the toy aisle and I grab my Suzanne Malowski executive coach and HR advisor <laughs> action figure? What's in the box, Suzanne? Well, this was a great question. And I had a very quick answer. And I hope it's okay if I pick an accessory that a superhero already uses. Ooh, I like can it. we repurpose accessories here? I you think can so. do anything you want Absolutely. with the question. So I picked the golden lasso that <gasps> Wonder Woman used. Nice. And do you remember what the golden lasso served a purpose for? It was to tell the truth. Absolutely. And do you happen to know who the creator of Wonder Woman was? It was William Marsden, right? Who also yes. founded the disc assessment. Yep. Yes. Ta-da. So as did a, I totally steal your thunder there? Did you, did you totally well, expect me not to know? And you were going to be like, boom, nugget drop. <laughs> no, no, no. The thunder is anyone's thunder. But the disc <laughs> is something I, I use. Yes. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tool in my carpet bag of tricks. And it does help people see the truth about their own personalities and their their styles. So yes. uh, that's what I would pick. Okay, and where would you in your life? Hat. Where would you want to use your your lasso of truth? Um, well, outside of work, probably with any 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 salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> How low that's could great. you really go in that? There it car? is. I there like it. <laughs> I, I was thinking about kids, like, you know, like oh. teenagers in your life. You're like, lasso of truth. What are you really planning? Mm. Yes. Oh, some of those things I wouldn't really want to know. But yes, right. yes you're right. right. With, that's, that's with well care. Planned. We much use that. Any accessory with care. Right. That's right. All okay. right. What about you, Joe? Okay. I've got a visual in my head. Let's see. You've got the Joe Mall action figure with Kung Fu Grip? <laughs> I do. Okay. Um, it's so funny because... The two the two accessories that would have to come with my action figure first is a microphone, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels it was like a, that's low hanging fruit there. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. a speaker and a yeah. singer. You know, it feels like yeah. of course there's going to be a microphone, but in the Hello. other hand, is a bullet journal. Do you know what a bullet journal is, Suzanne? I don't think I do. Bullet journaling is a um, a notebook organization method, and people who are devoted to bullet journals oh. use these notebooks to track their tasks, their to-do lists, to take notes, to, to collect all their information. And I am a moderately devoted bullet journaler, and so <laughs> I, I have my bullet journal sitting right here as we record. I use it for 
everything that I just said, for meeting notes, for uh, capturing ideas, for for keeping lists, uh, I, I'm a big believer in the, it as a uh, the best way to kind of manage your personal productivity. Uh, and I've turned another a number of people in my world onto the art of bullet journaling. Uh, and so I, mine would probably come with a little tiny bullet journal. Now, let me be clear about one other thing. Yes. This is important. Yes. When you first go online and like if you decide you're going to investigate bullet journaling and you go to YouTube and you like how to bullet journal and you put that into YouTube, it's going to look like scrapbooking. And that is not what it is for me. I feel like people who loved scrapbooking back in the 90s have taken over bullet journaling now because people use these fancy tapes and stickers and calligraphy and colors. And I don't do any of that. It's an indexing system that I like for notes. I use a black pen. That's it. And so I'm just putting that out there in the world that I'm not like a scrapbooky bullet journaler. I'm a minimalist okay. bullet journaler. Be clear. Minimalist bullet. Now, when we say bullets, are you talking about bullets as in lists, bullets? Yes. So yes. the system okay. is founded on a, a set of like sort of shortcut hand notations that you uh, make in okay. the journal. Like if you if you move a task forward into the next week or you move it back into what's called your future log or you've delegated the item or you've 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 not you've decided not to do the item. There's a little notation for that. Uh, so it's a, it's a simple little system for so different symbolism. Kinds of I love yes. it. I think but mm, I love yours. They're absolutely I can see it. I think as well. I see some kind of cape. Well, that's nice. But, you know, if you watch The Incredibles, you learn yes. that the, the worst thing a superhero can wear is capes. No capes. Oh, it's, a, oh. it's a rule. Do they get tangled up? You trip over them? Yes. The capes oh. on the heroes cause injuries. You can get sucked into a jet engine. Oh. You're flying. Don't you yes. know? Yes. I don't know. Okay. Well, now you do. I don't know. Okay. Now I know. You're saving you're lives here on Boss Better All Now. Right. No capes. All right. I take it back. How about a top hat? Can you wear one of those? Done. Deal. Okay. All right. And that's the camaraderie question of the week. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of fun with that conversation. Thank you, my friend. Well done. You're welcome. We hope others will have equal amounts of fun. Absolutely. All right, folks, listen, if you are a part of an organization that needs to continue developing and supporting your frontline and mid-level leaders, then you may want to check into our Boss Better Leadership Academy. The way we talk about our Boss Better Leadership Academy is simple. You can build better bosses in 30 minutes a month. Our program provides a monthly continuing education leadership video and discussion guide that you can use at management, at management meetings or one-on-one -on -one with leaders to help those folks become better bosses. This is a subscription program, kind of like Netflix, where every month you get a new piece of content, you get a digital vault, uh, and then you get to also participate in live Q&A office hours with me every month. So if you've been looking at an affordable way to bring some ongoing boss better development to the leaders in your organization, you may want to check out the Boss Better Leadership Academy. Just visit joemall.com forward slash academy for more information. And that brings me to one of my other favorite segments that we do on the show here, Suzanne, a segment that we call Mail Time. Suzanne, we got an email from and and. There are two different ways to pronounce the person's name, mm -hmm. Tamara or Tamara. And so we're going to have an email here from T, 
<laughs> uh, and so uh, Tamara, I'm going to go with Tamara. If it is Tamara, I apologize. Um, Tamara writes, hi, Joe, longtime listener, first time emailer. I could really use some advice on managing up. I manage 10 employees. And to put it nicely, our director could really benefit from listening to your podcast. He has built an environment of fear and shame. For example, he's made employees cry in team meetings. He's created competitiveness amongst the team, not the friendly fun kind, but the kind that has good employees coming to me asking if their job is safe since their numbers aren't as impressive as others. And that's not the kind of industry or company we work for. He doesn't respect anyone on the team, including myself, and is almost never reachable when anyone needs him. On top of all of that, he's a micromanager. For example, he insists on having three times per week one-on-ones with me. He seems to pride himself on having so many meetings. Overall, it feels like my hands are tied. If I was the only one unhappy, I wouldn't say anything, but it's my whole team, and I feel it's my responsibility to advocate for them. Do you have any suggestions or scripts to help me manage up with him? Would it ever be appropriate to go to his VP with my concerns? Thank you so much. Well, Tamara, I... um empathize with you. I've been in this circumstance. I know a lot of other leaders listening to this show right now feel your pain. They have been or are currently in this situation. There's a lot to unpack in what you've asked. Suzanne, where do you want to start? Well, I want to start with saying, yes, uh, I feel your pain too, Tamara. It's, it's something that people shouldn't have to experience, but they do. And it, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's a reflection on a leader that you know doesn't hasn't been able to find other options for their style or hasn't been told they need to find them. Right. And I, you know, I start with, I have more questions than suggestions yeah. at this point. Right. If I, if she, if she was sitting here in front of us, we might ask things like, mm-hmm. um, is there any data? Is there a lot of turnover on the team? Were there engagement survey results? Like anything that can help, I don't want to say build a case, but build a story that's, that's data driven. Um, and to me, sometimes that helps you decide whether to go to a VP or to HR or someplace mm-hmm. else for help. Um, I also might ask questions about, you know, any other attempts to provide feedback or if mm-hmm. he ever asks for feedback, if the performance management system allows for feedback. So I would look for all those things to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose if the answer is no, none of that. <laughs> We're still left with the situation, right? right. So, you know, I, I have said this in response to a lot of similar kinds of questions that have come in. But the first thing that somebody working for a bad boss has to accept is that it is not their job to fix a bad boss. Uh, it's the organization's responsibility to own how that person shows up. Uh, and you can't, Tamara, you can't fix this bad boss. You're not going to be able to change his behavior uh, for the most part. Um, That doesn't mean you're not going to try based on the advocacy that you want to try to put in place for your team. Um, I will tell you that I think your response is going to be based on your risk tolerance. Um, Most of the time, Abrasive leaders don't know that they're abrasive leaders. Micromanagers don't know that they're micromanagers. People who are creating unhealthy competition don't know that it's unhealthy competition. And so you're going to have to think about the kinds of interaction you're comfortable having with this person. You know, level one response is sort of working around this person. 
right? You know, maybe, you know, when, when they show up in a way that causes harm to the team, if something didn't work, you can brainstorm with that person and make it their idea, a new way of doing it. Boy, that meeting didn't go so well, did it? I, I wonder if maybe we came on too strong. You know, and you kind of suggest alternate paths that that are that are kind of working around that person's behavior. Um, obviously, if you see them do something good, you praise them for it. You say, "Hey, boss, I, boy, you know, you you really went out of your way to thank the team this week for something that they did, um, and that really had an impact." Um, if if you don't mind me asking, you just keep doing that because that just fills up their gas tank. You know, um, I doubt that's happening with this person based on what she shared, but if there are opportunities to to praise and encourage and thank them and and increase certain kinds of behavior. Let's try that. Um, the other aspect is, can you find allies? Are there other leaders uh, in the organization that you can get mentoring from? Um, are there other managers at your own level who maybe can help you devise some strategies for working around this person? Um, it probably goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you don't want to complain too much about this person to your direct reports. Um, you're going to have to acknowledge the problematic behavior that this person engages in. That is an act of empathy. You don't want to seem disconnected from reality with your people if this guy shows up like an a-hole uh, and then leaves the room and everybody's looking at you like, that wasn't okay. You know, you probably need to say, you're right, that wasn't okay. Um, and, and you can say, and I, I'm working on it. I'm doing my best to put myself between you and him whenever I can. Um, but you don't like cavort around your hatred for the guy. That's mm -hmm. not healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, you asked if it's ever appropriate to go to the VP with your concerns. And my answer is yes, with, with two caveats. The first caveat is I wouldn't go to the VP until you've had a really honest conversation with the guy. If your risk tolerance would allow you to do that, where you bring into the light all of the concerns and you talk about it with him in a way that is direct and honest. The second point is the exception to that rule. And the exception to that rule is if he is acting inappropriately, if there's harassment, if there's bullying, if there's inappropriate comments, then absolutely that should be reported. Uh, and that takes courage and that can be scary, but that actually absolutely uh, needs to happen and you don't need to wait to take that action. Um, here is what is at the heart of my advice for you, uh, Tamara, is think about the most kind of the most direct kind of conversation you could have with the guy. And here again, you, you, there may be consequences to this. He may retaliate. You may create a jeopardy for your employment by taking this action. Uh, but it might be the best and most effective way to go about it. Uh, and that is to have a very direct conversation with him about the ways in which he is doing harm to his goals and your ability to do your job. Uh, and really, that probably sounds something like this. Um, you first reach out to him and ask him if you can schedule a time to have a private conversation with him on a sensitive matter. You're giving him the heads up that we're going to have a delicate conversation. That allows him maybe to get into the right headspace at that time. This is not a grab you at the end of the day conversation, because if he's had a crappy day, that conversation is only going to go badly. Um, when you sit down at the appointed time and he's sort of on guard, like, what's going on? You say, how direct can I be with you? And then you wait. And he's going to say, um, okay. And then you tell him directly what the problem is. And I would encourage you to pick your battles here. You've listed several things in your email to us that are problematic. I would pick one or two. And you might say something to the effect of, 
this is really hard for me to say, and it's going to be hard for you to, to hear, but you are suffocating this team. And let me tell you specifically what I mean by that. When you come into the meetings, you make people cry when you call them these names. Or when you have three, you ask me to meet with you three times a week for one-on-ones, there's no productivity that comes out of that. I, I am unable to do all the things you're asking me to do because I'm spending all this time telling you about the things that I should be doing when the time that we're sitting there and having that conversation. By having very specific examples that you can list, you can create line of sight between his behavior and the harm that it's doing to the team. You may have to say something like, you hired me to create the conditions for this team to thrive, but I am not able to do that when these ABC behaviors happen. And so I am coming to you today having a really uncomfortable conversation and, and trying to be honest with you about what gets said when you leave the room and what your team that relies on you and me who relies on you really, really needs from you going forward. If you want any hope of us having an upward trajectory, now you'll have to play with that language a little bit and make it your own and figure out what the stakes are where you work and for your team. But if you have a higher risk tolerance, if you feel like this person maybe has a tiny little bit of respect for you and you can have a kind of in your face, honest conversation with them, that might be the way to go. Suzanne, I see you nodding along with some of this. What's your thought? Oh, I love it. And I, you've done some segments on bravery, right? Yes. And courage. And it is one of those defining opportunities, both in how you respond and react. So I love what you say. Do not build a team around, do not unite. Mm-hmm. It build team camaraderie around yes. being against a bad leader. That's unhealthy. Yep. That's not what you want to be part of. And then if you do, and I encourage you to have that a version of that conversation, you will feel so much better mm-hmm. because he's he had to hear you. Whether he does anything about it, what happens from there, you, you can you can manage that. But the burden you must be carrying around and trying to take care of your team right now is not fair. So the step that you can take to have that honest, transparent, but constructive, not personally attacking um, conversation, I think you will feel very good about yourself um, Mm -hmm. after the fact, even if it's one of the hardest things you've ever done. Yep. It's amazing sometimes how leaders of a certain stripe who are abrasive, who are difficult, sometimes don't even hear the gentle delivery. Sometimes you have to match their aggressiveness. And I'm not talking about in an inappropriate way. You're not going to go in there and MF this and swear that, you know, that's that's not going to get you where you want to go. But direct, assertive communication might be what cuts through. Um, and I think in this case, what's also important is that you document the interaction. One way you can do that is to send a thank you email afterwards. Dear so-and-so, thank you so much for talking with me today. I know it wasn't an easy conversation, but I really appreciated how you responded to my feedback that, and you document it. The other thing you're going to want to do is have some allies at the ready. You know, if you uh, are going to have a direct conversation with this person, you know, if there are other managers in the organization, other people who have some influence that you can role play with, that you can talk with, or that are just aware that this meeting and this conversation is, is going to take place. That way they can be a support network for you afterwards, regardless of how it goes. Um, 
One other thing that I want to bring up, Suzanne, that this jumped off the page to me when I saw okay. her email. She yes. said, she said, if I was the only one who was unhappy, I wouldn't say anything. And I want to say, no, 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 Tamara, <laughs> no, no, no. Your happiness and fulfillment at work is just as important as everybody else's. And we should not be creating in work environments where one person is suffering in silence. And if you had one person on your team who was unhappy, wouldn't you want them to come and tell you? And so don't, don't you want to apply the same standard to yourself? You know, your, your happiness and fulfillment at work is just as important as anybody else's. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't the only job you're going to have, Tamara, and this is not the only boss you're ever going to have. But please, no matter where you go or where you end up, do not ever let anyone rob you of the potential fulfillment that you can get from your career just because you chose not to speak up, because enough people weren't being affected or violated by it. That's not okay. Your suffering alone is enough to speak up. All right, friends. Well, that is mail time. And that's our show this week, friends. My thanks to our new co-host, Suzanne, who I think is just doing a fabulous job. I'm so glad you're here, my friend. And if you enjoyed this show, then I'm going to ask you to share it. Pop onto your social media accounts, share a link to this show, tell others about the Boss Better Now podcast. Tell them that if they're a boss, there's a show out there that aspires to be food for the boss's soul, that endeavors to provide advice, humor, and encouragement to boss heroes everywhere. That's how we grow our audience. That's how we continue to fulfill our mission of filling workplaces with better bosses. In the meantime, thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time. This show is sponsored by Joe Mull and Associates. Remember, commitment comes from better bosses. Visit joemull.com today.